Hi, I'm Jason Nias from Digital River, an e-commerce and payments company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow their revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our time. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started, lessons they've learned, and what they believe will be the future of online shopping. Since his early days as an intern at IBM, Jim Herbert has been delivering on digital strategy for businesses of all sizes. Along the way, Jim co-founded one of the UK's premier e-commerce system integrators, which led to a merger and a series of career moves that landed Jim at Big Commerce, where he is now Senior Vice President and General Manager for the EMEA region. Welcome, Jim. Hi. Nice to meet you, Jason. Good to, good to talk to you again. Um, so for those who don't know, um, you're obviously a big hitter at Big Commerce, which is a industry-leading e-commerce platform, but I'd love for you to use your words. Can you describe who Big Commerce is and, and why they matter? Absolutely. No, like, thanks for having me on again, Jason, like, like, like I've already said. I mean, Big Commerce, um, when it first attracted to me, ultimately, the fact that it combines the flexibility of the kind of older on-premise solutions that I've been used to in the past or open source software um, with the convenience, uh, speed, security, and upgradability of, of SaaS software. So um, it, it's really interesting to me. You know, I, I've had, a, like I said, a number of businesses, small businesses. I've used SaaS software for, say, accounting in the past or for CRM, and you get it, right? You, you, you sign up, you put a credit card details in, or if you're a bit larger, you talk to an AE and you get signed up, and it just works. The, the problem you have with, with systems like that sometimes is the lack of flexibility. So if you're a big retailer and, and you take that approach with e-commerce, you don't get the ability to do what you want with software anymore, if you know what I mean. And so what we've done at BC is try and make that blend uh, work perfectly, ultimately. So you have the flexibility to completely remove the, 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 the front end. You know, we're in the Mac Alliance. Um, we're we're you know, a leader in composable commerce as, as part of that, not surprisingly. Um, so if you want to, you can build a completely best-of-breed architecture go full uh, enterprise like we did with say a tedbaker.com back in the day but at the same time if you want to use what we've got out of the box you can launch really quickly we've had large enterprises uh choose big commerce to try out new stuff in the, in the past as well and so that's that uniqueness that we we think is what we do in the marketplace that no one else does and we call that open SaaS. so it's the openness and flexibility of open source or on-prem combined with the uh you know speed security and scalability of SaaS software yeah, you gave me a lot there. We're going to unpack a few of those elements, um, starting with the history of big commerce. Um, so you've you've been in the e-commerce industry since the '90s, uh, me as well, um, which means we've seen a lot of change and new products and new companies. Big commerce was founded in 2009, went public in 2020, and you know a lot of people looking at it kind of look at it as a, a little bit of an overnight sensation, like it's. It's the, the new kid in town, but really it's, it's, it's got its roots back to the early 2000s. Um, why did you decide to join Big Commerce? You could have gone anywhere. What, what attracted you to it? So um, it's, it's an interesting journey, actually. So, you know, you talked about the fact that I had my own business back in the day. And I, I partnered with a, a couple of uh, original e-commerce players back then. So ATG and Hybris, now they're parts of large conglomerates, Oracle and SAP and whatever else. Um, and uh, after I sold my business, one of my developers uh, started his own business. And so I ended up working with him. And so prior to working at BC, um, Mark Adams, who I used to 
uh, compete against. He was one of the founders of Portal Tech, another big hybris uh, SI that was out there at the time. Um, he said, look, you, need, you really need to come and have a look at this. Because I actually, I'll be honest with you, I messaged him on LinkedIn. I was like, what are you doing in big commerce? They're, oh, surely they're small biz SMEs. He's like, look, come and have a look at what we're doing. It's, it's really new and groundbreaking and different. And it's right for the enterprise now. You've got to have a look. So I went in with, um, with Shine, uh, the, the, the founder of Ayata Commerce, where I was working at the time. And we had a demo and I actually walked out and turned to Sean and went, all that stuff we did in the old days, those big customers we had at sort of Superdrug and large Italian fashion brands, who I still can't mention under threat of legal uh, action, et cetera, because, you know, they like their NDAs. Um, you know, all those kind of big old clients, we could have, we could have done that. Uh, we could do this on, on, on big commerce now. This is, this is pretty mind-blowing, actually, because, you know, and, and it's interesting from an SI perspective because you look at it and you go, wow, do I want to get involved in this because it's simplifying things? But what it's actually doing, you're looking at BC, is taking on a lot of the hard parts, ultimately. The, you know, the integrations. One of my biggest frustrations at Sonaric, my business, was going into a customer. I can talk about Rafa cycling, right? We, we, we put Hybris in there. They're still on SAP Commerce Lab now, um, much to my chagrin. I love their, I love their product. But, um, you know, I remember saying to those guys, they were like, we want to integrate to Microsoft Dynamics. You must have done it before. I was like, I did do it before. Yeah, you're right. So how can it be, however much it was, I don't know, 80K? I'm like, well, because we've got to do it for you now. The way SI relationships work is the customer owns the IP. It's not our IP to give you, if you know what I mean. It's actually cheaper, guys, because my guys have done it before. We understand the technology. Those integrations in kind of full open SaaS app world, uh, ultimately, a lot of that is then taken on by uh, a combination of us or the other tech partner. And that makes it much easier and quicker to go live. You know, I was talking to someone today and saying that the end of Sprint Zero if you pick pre-integrated apps with BC out of our app store, um, and that can be in that full, you know, um, composable architecture that we talked about before with enterprise products like AttractXO or Bloomreach, something like that, um, then uh, by the end of Sprint Zero, you've got an integrated setup. And that means Mr. Customer, Mr. Merchant, gets to spend more time and more money with the agency building the right solution. What's going to make them more money? Let's concentrate on what's going to improve the conversion rate. What's going to improve our AOV? How are we going to attract more people to the site? What kind of mind-blowing omni-channel experiences can we use these APIs for? And that was what really attracted me. When Mark uh, decided to leave and become CEO of Attract, he gave me a call and said, you know, uh, Jim, I think you should interview for my job. We're kind of similar people to a certain extent. Uh, you know, we both run the sales teams at our own agency. We've been around e-commerce a long time. Uh, and, and sure enough, you know, the, the, the guys at BC thought the same thing. And it was, it was really attractive because fundamentally helping merchants sell more and, and, and do a better job for their customers is what kind of keeps me in this industry. Right on. Well, the, again, you gave me a lot to unpack. The, the, what I heard, I'll, I'll summarize, is you guys give basically enterprise level capabilities. You've democratized it for brands of virtually any size. Exactly. In fact, we like to talk about it as we are the platform for merchants of all sizes of growth. Um, you could come in, you could you could buy a, a standard plan, self-serve. Uh, you could become as big as Ted Baker if you had the right product or as big as, you know, um, Nokia HMD or someone like that who's on the, on the platform. Um, you wouldn't have to change the software. You might go out to our app store and buy additional uh, pieces. You know, I come out and talk to you guys about doing cross-border and expanding out uh, your 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 um, your wares across the world, which of course you would, right? If you're being successful, um, but you could still stay on big commerce. You know, we would happily have conversations with you about making it as attractive as possible to remain on our platform. The technology wouldn't have to change. Yep, and I think that really lends itself nicely to a major release that you guys just did. Probably the biggest. Uh, release in your company's history. I followed you very closely for a long time, and that's multi 
storefront. Can you yep. talk a little bit about what is multi-storefront? Why is it such a big deal for big commerce and your customers? Definitely. No, happy to talk to that. That's, um, thank you very much for asking because obviously we're really, really excited about it. Um, and, and so um, put in context a little bit, again, come back to what I used to do with the on-prem solutions or the open source solutions. Um, you know, again, a large part of, um, of what we did, and it was kind of easy money, but it was, again, a horrible sales conversation was upgrades, right? You'd, you'd, you'd someone say, okay, you want to go to the latest version of this to that. Brilliant. Yeah, we can do that. It'll be 80 man days. We've got to retest all our code. We've got to you know, roll that stuff out because that's the way that stuff works, bluntly. Um, you know, and you do work to make that shorter, but that's how it is. You know, you're upgrading stuff. In the old days, you're taking it out of a shrink wrap CD and stick it in a server and putting the new version on and making sure it all works. Now, with SaaS solution, true SaaS, cloud native SaaS like we do, we do that. We build to production constantly. And so multi-storefront's a great example of where our engineering team um, have been going back through the code, refactoring it on, you know, not on live software. Obviously, we do it in our own test environment, then roll it out. But making sure it doesn't break it for the 68,000 plus merchants we have on the platform uh, when, when we roll it out there. And so what multi-storefront does is it allows a merchant to have the capability to sell to multiple different websites, multiple different URLs, uh, multiple different um, uh, channels, ultimately, because it's kind of in our channel manager back end of our, of, of our uh, admin control panel. Um, from one backend system. So you can have one shared stock position if you want to, although actually there's some, there's some good uh, flexibility around that. It's kind of up to you. You can have different storefronts for um, you know, different, um, different countries, for different, uh, different brands entirely. You know, we used to talk about it as cats.com and dogs.com. You might have a pet store. It's a great example. It's a small example. Um, a lot of that will be common, right? But there'll also be separate products. So you can have a common catalog that you can put on cats.com with a cat-based branding and a cat-based uh, set of email addresses and its own URL. And ditto, you can have something completely different for dogs.com, but the same e-commerce team running it uh, from, from the back end there. And that becomes really powerful when you start mixing up our stencil storefronts and our headless storefronts. You know, stencil is kind of our fantastic. It's our template mechanism uh, with, a, with a very light CMS in it for, for, for building solutions very quickly to go direct to consumer. Um, you can you can put one of those up really quickly. You could also have a headless storefront or a WordPress storefront, all running off the same backend system. Again, going out there and collecting as much audience as you possibly can, and therefore selling to as many people as you can and selling more stuff. Yep. Well, I love the. I mean, I, I'm kind of I'm scribbling notes as you're talking, and I wrote down platform of innovation. And what I was thinking about there is, you know, you guys basically have operationalized and simplified the way people run their stores. Yep. And what that, what that then does is it frees up people to work on things that are differentiating. Things yep. like building great products, things like great marketing, things like social, things like driving loyalty, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, it's amazing in terms of what it can do, your multi-storefront and the ability to uh, really simplify management. But what the real power of it is what it enables your clients to then do with it and what they do with the time they've, they've gained. That's exactly it. And, and, and that's the interesting thing about building software and, 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 and putting you know, services out as a subscribable item like we do at BC. Um, we have customers come to us and, you know, look what I'm doing. And they go, oh, wow, we never envisaged people would do that. Okay, that's, that's interesting. To the point of a few years ago, you know, we, have a, we, we first created our APIs made them available to people. People started immediately building apps that are pure app-based 
say your home grocery delivery systems, uh, that kind of thing. So when COVID happened, people were doing that to maybe try and break Deliveroo's uh, uh, kind of hold on the market or, or just eat or whatever else, you know, those kind of things. Um, and and, and uh, that's a kind of innovation that you don't, don't necessarily expect. You know, normally think someone's going to go to a VC, get a load of money and then go off and build that stuff. But actually, you know, recently graduated developers who are used to modern tech find an API-based uh, modern e-commerce platform and go, wow, look what I can do with this. So then you give them a multi-storefront and they turn around and go, oh, I'm going to do this with it. Is that okay? Now, invariably, our customer success team will say, yeah, of course it is. As long as you don't you know, hit these particular things that you can't do on the platform or shouldn't do on the platform, like trying to basically try and DDoS us, because funnily enough, our, um, our built-in security stuff will hit in and say, well, you can't be hitting us that many times if you're not, I mean, from one IP. Um, as long as you don't do things silly, then absolutely, you can use it for what you like. That's what you're subscribing for. Uh, it's an order-based revenue model. Crack on. <laughs> yep. Yep. The more you sell, the more big commerce makes. Um, yeah. So it, it, the partnership between Digital River and big commerce is one I'm incredibly excited about. And what's interesting about it for me is it's really the story of the pandemic. So the last business tri trip that I took pre-pandemic was actually to London in your neck of the woods. And I sat down with Russ and Brent, your chief commercial officer and your CEO, and we talked about the concept of a partnership between big commerce and digital river. And uh, at the effectively at the end of the mask wearing and all the stuff, you know, I wouldn't say we're at the end of the pandemic, but wherever we are at this moment in time where life kind of looks like it's getting back closer to normal, we publicly announced our partnership. We're available in your app store. We're part of your multi-store front and we've got a bunch of customers using it. And so it's uh, we're, we couldn't be more excited to be on the journey with big commerce as you guys go and really bring enterprise class solutions to customers of any size. No, oh, that's great, Jason. And, and, and again, we, we're so happy to have you in there as well. I mean, uh, coming back to what I talked about, kind of the entrepreneurs, uh, the, the, the larger merchants that we have on the platform who are selling cross-border or need to sell cross-border or, or work uh, to expand up their solution, Digital River is going to be an absolutely key part of that for us. Um, again, being in the app store, number one, tick in the box, that makes it super easy. Uh, from from that side of it, I mean, it is it is uh, it, it's interesting watching people who come off of monolith based platforms, we call them the, the old tech, really getting to grips with the app store and say, oh wow, so I've just got to click this button. So yeah, click that button. There you go. It's installed now. Now have your commercial conversation. Now you can use it. It's as simple as that from that side of it. And then the ability to find out that they, their customers can then get landed cost, for instance. You know, we're, we're the, the world's an interesting and slightly depressing sometimes place at the minute for, for obvious reasons. You know, we have a team in Kiev who we're obviously working with a, a lot at the moment. Um, and, and prior to that, you know, borders are going up all over the place uh, with Brexit and other stuff that's going on. Um, the fact that somebody else can kind of look after that for for our merchants or work with say one of our joint partners at Avalara from the tax side or work with the same at payments providers on our side to make sure people have the APMs we need when we do that and we put digital river into our checkout we know people are going to make uh, more money uh, ultimately and cut their costs and if you can hit both sides of the fraction the nominator and the denominator with the right side everyone's happy right and uh more importantly, the customers are happy because they, they know what they're going to get when they're talking to a merchant. And, and customer happiness leads to merchant happiness, and that leads to big commerce happiness. I know it sounds trite, but it's absolutely true. You said, uh, said it earlier, and I think that's a really key point. Our interests are aligned uh, when, you know, with our merchants. The more they sell, the happier we are. And I think that's, that's one of the nice virtuous circles that we have. Yeah, don't, over, uh, don't overlook that as a critical 
uh, impact to why both of our companies are customer centric. We, we have to be because their success is literally our success and vice versa. So exactly. um, I, I love that point. Let's shift gears a little bit to kind of talking about where big commerce fits into the landscape of e-commerce solutions. Um, there's obviously a lot of them and there's a lot of money pouring into some of the, some of the newer uh, names. Um, but you guys have been around for a dozen, 13 years and uh, you guys continue to reinvent yourself. Can you talk about where you fit in, um, who you compete with, and, and why people select big commerce? Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about why people select big commerce because hopefully that will kind of drive that conversation a little bit more. So um, often merchants select us when they start looking at the, the, the control panel, right, and the, and, the, and the admin interface and the back end that's available for their users. And what's interesting for enterprises is, you know, we, if you think about that 68,000 plus that I mentioned on the platform, um, now, obviously, if you look at our last set of results, a large percentage of the revenue comes from enterprise, but I'm sure you can imagine the remaining 28% comes from the small business. And the way that gets skewed out, there's quite a large amount of that 68,000 in small businesses. If it's not easy to use, if it's not easy to merchandise product, if it's not easy to, to understand how to put a payment provider together to install digital river from, a, from an app store, uh, that kind of stuff, we would not be able to afford the support of the product, right? So, so user experience is absolutely core to everything we do. On that note as well, you know, that kind of merchant success piece that we talked about earlier, the merchant success being our success, um, the higher the conversion rate we can get from our control, from our, from our checkout, the better it is for us, right? The more people sell, the better it is for BC. So we spend significant amounts of money on the user experience that you get in the templates that you, that you work with, um, our, you know, our, our, our kind of optimized one-page checkout. For the sole reason, ultimately, that it gets the conversion rate up, okay, and, and making things like checkout JS available, so that enterprises can then take that optimized one-page checkout and integrate what they need, uh, ultimately, in terms of things like pay, you know, collect in store or ship from store and what and whatever else. Now, those kind of things together um, mean that, that 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 from an enterprise perspective. Those guys then look at that and go, wow, you know, my team could be so much more efficient. They could really concentrate on selling as opposed to trying to work out how to get a product live or trying to work out, you know, how to make that change to the to the to the website on the back end. Right. So that's if we if we are talking to people from the business perspective, they love that. They love that really, you know, really quickly. I'm sure you can imagine. And then you talk about things like, you know, during Cyber Five, we've got 100 percent uptime for eight years. Everything scales with, with, with the volume again, you know, probably all of us. Certainly you and I have been in e-commerce for 20 years. I've got horror stories about Black Friday or about, you know, uh, Easter weekend, if you're working with a DIY or gardening uh, uh, kind of uh, store. Um, that stuff's great, right? Again, from a marketing perspective, you love it. What's interesting as well, though, is for some of the larger enterprises is when you start talking to people who've got lots of developers, right? So there are other kind of more API-led, uh, API-led only platforms out there that, that we compete against. The developers love. I get it. I was a developer, right? Um, my friend still calls me king of the nerds because to him, I still work in IT, if you know what I mean, even though I like to think I work in retail now. Uh, and, uh, and, and fundamentally, yeah, brilliant. I've got loads of APIs. I can stitch it all together. And, you know, fair enough. If that's the right thing for you guys, if you're doing something that's massively innovative or you want to do it, that's fine too. We sell on our strengths. We never, ever go out there as a business and, and uh, you know, slag off other platforms or say, you know, this is what happened or have you heard about that? For us, big commerce gets chosen because we're disruptive. We're easy to install and get going. Um, we have a fantastic admin user interface. We also upgrade because we're cloud native SaaS. 
We're super scalable, like I mentioned. We take on PCI compliance, and then we give you that flexibility as an IT org if you want it to actually kind of do what you like. Peel stencil off of it, put a different CMS on front. Use APIs, use multi-storefront to, to create 15 different channels headless that you want to do what you want to do on, if you know what I mean. So that's what that's what really works. And I think, therefore, we're in kind of a unique position. If you look at where we position ourselves, we kind of have our own uh, single line and we stick ourselves right in the middle, uh, ultimately, between that kind of like fully flexible platform, maybe download that platform, maybe it is still on-prem from that side of it, uh, versus the kind of SaaS model, which is literally, here's your shop, but you can't do anything to it. Uh, we have some of the super cheap players that are out there. Um, I'm not, not talking about our big green uh, Shopify, I said them, seven domain competitor at all. They're obviously not there either, but there are these kind of tiny web stores that you know I've used in the past. Um, we're not there either, right? We're, we're dead in the middle. And I think where we are increasingly being seen, and in Amir in particular, up into that kind of like, you know, upper mid-market, enterprise businesses as well, because they understand that, you know, fundamentally the tech works, the software works and it works for them. So it becomes much, much more interesting for the, for the, for the larger enterprises as we move forward. I think that's right. I, I think back to that breakfast or lunch I had with uh, Brent, your CEO and Russ, they said, Hey, listen, one of the one of the biggest challenges facing big commerce is uh, was awareness at the time. And I think you guys have yeah. solved that. Your marketing is through the roof. You're now a public company. You guys have a lot and your, and your partner network is off the charts. But what it told me, or what the other words that he said was, if we get an at bat, if people give us an opportunity to give a demo, to show the admin and to actually let people kick the tires, your close ratio is enormous. It's through the roof. Yeah. And yep. so the, the biggest challenge facing you guys was making sure to get the word out that this product does everything you just described. It's brand recognition, right? And, and it's, uh, this is where I'm not a marketing person. I'm a salesperson. I get that. And I'm a developer. So that's interesting. Therefore, I'm not marketing. I've got marketing sat just outside the room right now. Um, brand recognition, I do know, is one of the hardest things in the world to get out there and, and, and make people realize. Now, I think in the UK, like you said, we've completely cracked it. We've cracked it in the, in the U.S., um, and in some of the newer markets, though, I was at uh, a one-to-one Monaco recently uh, for a big French conference. Uh, I don't speak enough French bluntly, but I spoke, I spoke enough. I managed to start presenting in French. I was quite pleased with myself, uh, given I'm self-taught from skiing holidays. Uh, and you do get that, oh, wow, this, you know, it's showing a demo of it. This is amazing. I'd never heard of you. So that's the next thing to crack is in the emerging markets, how to make other people realize that. And we're doing it. You know, we, we, we've um, recently expanded into France, Italy, Netherlands, Spain, Germany, uh, and the Nordics as of this week um, we, with our first hire in, in, in Copenhagen. Um, and again, you know, if you get it right, get the, the, the partner um, engagement right, get the marketing right. And, and the key, here's the key difference, right? We're now putting dollars into the market from a marketing perspective. Um, and as we do it, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that those other markets will follow what's happened in the UK uh, from, from that side of it. Um, by the way, when you were with Brent and Russ, I think I missed you by about five days. I know Russ had to get on a plane and rush home. It was in the very early days of COVID when no one could quite believe what was happening, right? <laughs> so, That's right. The next, uh, actually, the next day they announced the travel ban to the US and I was on one of the last flights out. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Russ did that. It was kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it was a rush to the airport. That's where I'm going now. Cancel tonight's dinners. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so one of the ways that I know you guys are making yourselves attractive to the tech community is your involvement in the Mock Alliance. Can you describe what the Mock Alliance is? It's an acronym. 
who's who are the member companies and why it's interesting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, I, I sit on the growth council for the Mac Alliance, um, and, and we're all looking for new members. If anyone's looking to join as an ISV, etc. Um, basically, the idea is it's for a, a conglomeration of uh, industry partners um, with a shared interest in kind of modern. Uh, what we call Mac-based architecture. So microservices, API first, uh, cloud native and headless, um, although we tend not to use the word headless as often as we used to, um, uh, vendors uh, ultimately. So so somebody uh, whose software or service um, basically supports those tenants and makes it as simple as possible uh, for merchants, um, and not just merchants, because Mac Alliance isn't just primarily aimed at retail. You know, it could be an insurance company, it could be a manufacturer, but to choose best of, be, best of breed products that should be as easy as possible to bring together via those APIs. Um, so if you want to be in the Mac Alliance, uh, then uh, fundamentally as a, as, a, as a tech vendor, you know, being cloud native is super important because we don't want people joining the Mac Alliance who then it turns out, you know, again, I use my old fashioned terminology, you have to take a shrink wrap CD, buy a server, install stuff. That's not interesting to us, if you know what I mean, because cloud nativity is really, really important. People subscribing to a platform that auto upgrades, dead on, tick in the box, you can be in the, in, in the Mac Alliance. So it's really just there to promote that architecture. That's as simple as that. You know, as an organization, it doesn't lead to leads. It's not a marketing organization. It is, um, it's, it's an interesting concept because it's kind of like a standards body that isn't a standards body it's almost like a privatized standards body from that perspective but for an idea rather than actual standards if you know what i mean so but it's been pretty successful i think in terms of raising the awareness of the of the kind of new way of working uh for for its members and members obviously include us uh at big commerce um there are three other commerce platforms in there as well but i'm not going to mention them by name no we don't know other names you're fine i'm only so nice right (laughs) So, but um, but hey, um, people can go look it up when they listen to this. Um, but also, you know, uh, uh, CMS vendors like Contentful and Content Stack are in there. Um, there are search and merch vendors in there like Algolia um, and uh, Constructor and people along those lines. Uh, and then there are systems integrators in there that really support this, um, both on this kind of smaller side as well as the kind of the large behemoths in there as well, like the kind of um, uh, extensions of this world uh, ultimately. So um, there's an approval process to go through. Some people get knocked back. Uh, not super happy about it uh and i kind of get why and there are people who are almost there where they like their new product um supports those tenants but they still have kind of like a large legacy of the old stuff which for business reasons i can't stop selling and i get it right from, from yeah. that side of it but but fundamentally it's it's really there to push that kind of best of breed architectures i talked about via an api first cloud native uh, uh sort of way of working basically or design pattern to get really techy about it <laughs> Now, mock is an acronym. For the life of me, I can't remember what it was. Is it? Oh, now I remember. Exactly. Yeah, microservices, API first, cloud native, headless. There it is. That's That's anyway. <laughs> well, what, I'm 50 next year, Jason, so I could be wrong. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, the check engine light goes on at 50 in your body, so Completely. you're probably wrong. Um, <laughs> what, what, I, what I love about some of the moves that Big Commerce is making is you're putting yourselves in front of different personas. And so the mock alliance matters to people who are developers, their CIOs or CTOs. They want to buy something that's modern, that's going to be future-proof, that gives them the best tools in the industry. And if you meet any developer, they're probably using the buzzwords that you just said, microservices, APIs, cloud native, headless. Those are the words, that's the language of innovation. So uh, big commerce as a major player in e-commerce by being a member of this 
is basically saying you're going to be future proof. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And, and that's interesting and, and important for something or, or a company that's been around since 2009. Like you said, we kind of reinvented ourselves. The nice thing is, is Eddie and Mitch, the founders and, and, and CB, who's still here, I'm pleased to say, and the rest of that team um, who started building big commerce, they built it the right way, if that makes sense. You know, they, 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 there was um, some fundamental architectural decisions that were made that allows the refactoring that does take place to take place, if you know what I mean. There's no throwing stuff out and starting again, uh, if you know what I mean. There, the key ingredients of a, of a commerce platform were there. Services were used internally already uh, from, from that side of it. As we evolved and, 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 and came through the kind of first sets of funding in 2011 um, and, and uh, you know, grew that team out and put more engineers on it, again, uh, they were able to go in and build those things in that kind of services first, microservices kind of way. And then they just kept on, kept on uh, extending out BC in that way and then made the choice when Brent arrived in 2016 to really start pushing that open API. Let's open these up to the outside world. Let's work on them, make sure that they work with the latest technology. So back then, REST JSON and GraphQL, et cetera. Um, that future proofness, it's not even a word, is it? But that's what uh, we, that's one of the things that we do, that innovation that we get. And of course, as I mentioned already, um, you know, there's no upgrading required. Uh, all those innovations just become available to you. You might not have them there. We might have to come up with a kind of version three, version four, version five way of working with something. You still want to break stuff, right? And sometimes you might make a fundamental change that, that you say to your merchants, okay, it's there for you now, but you might need to do some work to, to make that stuff available to your end consumer, if you know what I mean. But on the other hand, you know, loads of other stuff just arrives, right? Page Builder was just there for anybody using the latest stencil theme when it arrived um, in late 2020. Uh, if you look at the uh, multi-storefront we talked about, I've had that enabled on my um, employee store. We all get an employee store to sell with uh, since, you know, it first became available in beta. Um, I went to demo to somebody at one-to-one Monaco and I was like, oh, oh, they changed the channel manager. This is great. This is much better than it was before because it allowed you to see some additional details that you don't have to click into now. And that all comes from that constant cycle of innovation and research. And that's why it's not just, um, it's not just about the technology. You know, if you want to be innovative and future-proof, you also need to make sure you have the business uh, process in place to, to make that part of your core DNA. And that's exactly why we're winning. Well, let's talk about why you're winning. So, or an example of a win. So there was... There was an announcement, I want to say in maybe February or March, that you guys are working with Ted Baker. And in the context of the apparel industry, that is a really, really big name that's moving over, has moved over to your platform. Can you speak a little bit about why a tier one apparel company has selected Big Commerce? What can you share? Yeah, so um, the uh, number one, they're a publicly listed business. And uh, as of the start of this podcast, they have announced that they're for sale. So I, I do have to be careful what I'm saying, but we can talk about the fact that they're a customer because it is announced this in the public domain, right? So um, there's the legal piece <laughs> from, from that side of it. I should do those voiceovers for a living, maybe. Um, no, maybe not. So, um, but yeah, I'm happy to talk about why we're selected. So we went in and, and put together a kind of best of breed um, uh, approach alongside Bloomreach. Um, for the search and merchant CMS as well, uh, and with Fluent Commerce for OMS, so for ship from store uh, and pick up in store and, and all the other kind of functionalities you get from there, their, their brilliant cloud native um, OMS system. And, and so we were pitching in uh, against the usual players, you know, who you'd expect to go against. Uh, fundamentally, 
another kind of best of breed solution with some of our other partners and a couple of our competitors in it. Um, and also a kind of monolithic stack, ultimately, that is cloud native, but, you know, is ultimately kind of everything to all men, if you know what I mean, all, all people. Sorry, they're not very good on the diversity side with that one. Um, but fundamentally, um, they were kind of the options they had. So it's three, three options, ultimately. What won it for us was that, was that we were right in the middle. You know, I talked about the ease of use before. Now, if you're going to go headless, there's an interesting kind of uh, thing to think about there, which is actually if you're using Bloomreach for managing your search and merchandising and your CMS, that's a different backend than BigCommerce, right? So there are some handovers if you go down that kind of composability approach. Um, then you've got our control panel for the kind of commerce bit, and then you'll uh, have the fluent piece for doing the OMS side of it. Now, it isn't always a problem because quite often in a large organization like Intent, they're separate teams anyway. Also, when it came to like uh, middle of last year, we started getting testing and training going with business teams. What was lovely to hear, and I won't talk about where we migrated from, but anybody in the industry will know, and I know because I pitched for it back in the old days, um, was this business team was like, this is amazing. This is so good. The control I've got over kind of search and merch, the control I've got over the CMS, what I can do, which alongside one of them, Thompson Commerce, you did a great job pulling it all together uh, and, and building this. Then going over into, in, into BC and what I can do with promotions and what I can do with kind of merchandising and, and really like order management because if someone rings up or if I need to see what happens in order, I can do that before going to Fluent. And then what I can do, you know, with the in-store stock and the, and the aggregated stock position and all that stuff in the back end. What was lovely to see was the fact that the business were really, really impressed by how easy it was to use. Because again, these best of breed tools are designed specifically for those areas, if you know what I mean. And so what we were able to do in the sales process was convince uh, Ted Baker that that was going to be the case. You know, we went in with a demo, uh, demoed it to them, showed them it, got the commercials right. Uh, and, and, and so, again, fundamentally, both sides of that fraction are, are, are what we were selling as a dream, if you know what I mean, like I talked about before. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm very, very pleased to see them live, uh, ultimately. It's... Uh, 14 uh, storefronts, um, it's, uh, you know, it's in multiple languages, multiple currencies, they're live all over the world. I know for a fact that, that Troy, our head of product uh, down in Australia is a massive, massive Ted Baker fan. He couldn't believe it when we signed them in, in, uh, in the back of the day. Uh, and so um, I may have been naughty and checked how many orders went through from Australia. Most of them were him. <laughs> but that to be fair, was in the first hour and a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it it was good. It was good. It's, it's been it's been good fun, and and, and they're 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 a great great merchant, and I'm I'm very proud of what's been produced for them. I suspect that there's uh, by winning Ted Baker, the wardrobe budget at Big Commerce went up a little bit. You guys are all dressed a little fancier now. Yeah, absolutely. Without without a doubt, we we all went out and bought something on on the first day. Uh, I've always done that with all my e-commerce customers. The problem with doing it at Big Commerce, of course, is that you know. Uh, if, you, if you go from what we were talking about publicly at 60,000 to 68,000, um, then yeah, actually, I can't afford to do that anymore. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> support each of your customers. Well, I, I have a solo stove, which I know is a marquee client for you guys as well. Yeah, I've, sadly, I've got two. <laughs> but they are phenomenal. What a product that is. I mean, it's genuinely smokeless. I loved it. So yeah. I was using it on Sunday night. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, um, we're probably should get to the, 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 the kind of traditional questions here that we wrap up with. Um, this has been excellent, Jim. I'd love to hear from you. You've been in the industry a long time since the nineties, or as my, my daughter says, the 1900s. Um, uh, who do you, who do you think is really kind of setting the standard? Who's, who's doing a great job in terms of brands, the experience they're delivering. Can you share with us kind of maybe a, a, a best case example? 
Yeah, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one, that, right? Um, if you look at uh, the, the kind of plethora of, of, of different um, uh, merchants on, on, on e-commerce at the minute, it, it, it's, well, I said at the minute, as, as always, it's always going to be growing as well, right? And, and by the way, you said the 1900s, someone else described, oh, yeah, you've been in e-commerce since the turn of the century, haven't you? It's like, thanks, that's, that's a way to make me feel really old. Um, you know, the, the, the digital veteran, as someone called me in 2010, when I was talking about the dot-com crash, uh, well, that was 12 years ago. <laughs> so it makes it even worse from that side of it. Um, obviously, I'm waffling, trying to think of a great example here. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one again, right? I, th- I think well, some of the things that, that um, choosing one of our own merchants, the Ted Baker has done, has been, you know, it, it's just lovely. It's just a really nice site. The, 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 in terms of the kind of um, de- device independence of what WTC have produced for that headless front end, that's really nice. I've never seen it done before quite where you keep the same ratio, if you know what I mean, but resize the, so the, the product listing page. That's lovely. And it's also really nice from a, from a designer, from a customer perspective, because I get to see what I get to see, if you know what I mean, at all times. Um, in terms of non-BC customers, um, I, I mentioned a large Italian fashion brand a while back. I do love what Gucci do. Um, I, I don't buy a lot of it. My daughter wishes I bought more for her because she, she's of the age to like that kind of thing now. Uh, um, it's uh, it's just a lovely, lovely experience ultimately um, with some really nice innovative stuff in store. And, and, and I think that's where the next really interesting thing is going to come about, right? It, it is that blending of retail. So uh, what you can do in store and what you can do um, online and bringing that kind of customer segmentation into one place, right? So as a customer now, I'm only really, really happy when someone knows who I am at all times. Does that make sense? It's odd because, you know, back in the day when, and actually if you look at the legislation around cookies and stuff, people think people don't want that. But I do like that. I love walking into a store and they, they can look up what my previous order history was. Because again, I'm 50 next year. I can't remember exactly what I ordered. But if I'm in a store, if they can tell me, ask these jeans, that's what you ordered last time. Yeah, bring it on. That's what I want. Uh, I'll have another pair of those, please, and walk out with them. So um, there are some nice uh, department stores doing some good stuff there. You know, uh, Harvey Nichols is, is implementing something really good on BC right now, uh, which which will be uh, innovative in, in, that, in that kind of regard. Um, John Lewis back in the day, I know they're still running on, on, on ATG, I think, which, which uh, my old company was involved in, again, back then. Um, they actually have some really nice stuff across their estate, again, with things like Waitrose, but some uh, click and collect, that kind of stuff. It's the stuff that makes it easy. It's not always about the flashy show. It's the stuff that makes it really easy. I've got a Waitrose that's about a mile from my house. If I can order to that, walk down the hill and pick it up the next day, I'm going to order from John Lewis, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and and look, and again, you know, it's the people like Amazon as well, right? They're one-click checkout. Uh, fundamentally changed e-commerce for me because I could order stuff in bed without having to get my wallet out from uh, downstairs. <laughs> so it's simple as that. And, and I know those one-click providers, um, you know, they are going to make a, a real difference as the payment providers start providing that. Again, it's all about ease of use as a customer, ultimately. It doesn't mean it's all about how nice it is to use. Yep, I think you're right. Well, and, and the theme that you actually shared around um, Ted Baker was, yes, sure, you were fanatical about making sure you could help them deliver a great consumer experience using your partnership with Bloomreach. But what I heard you say is you also cared about the experience of their merchants, their merchandisers, their marketers, their people who run the store to give them a great experience. And so kind of it's a it's a two sided coin when you think about experience now and being successful in selling software. I think it has to be. I think absolutely spot on. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we've got a training team. We do do training in the back end. Um, you know, we were doing some yesterday, uh, a customer. Uh, interesting one this because we have brand rights and they've been spraying it all over linkedin but i'm not sure i can <laughs> but 
but a large North London football club. Uh, and again, you know, they're like, why well, am I paying for this training? <laughs> it's so easy to use. But then you get into the real detail and you say, well, actually, have you thought about this? It's like power training, isn't it? If you know what I mean? And when you see that, again, you can sell more stuff. Um, and I think that's really important because I, you know, we again, you know, keep going about how long we've been in the industry, but I can remember actual conversations with people during the digital transformation saying, yeah, the back end is not great. That's okay. I don't care. Literally being back from the merchant, um, they'll just have to learn how to use it. But that takes time. If you're if you're if you're, if you're learning how to use stuff, you're not selling, right? That's 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 what it really boils down to. So what it really really um, uh, does by putting that focus on user experience on both sides of the equation, it really helps our merchants uh, get out there and, and and sell more stuff. I keep coming back to it, but it's you know fundamentally the most important thing. Sell more stuff. Well, you know, before we before we wrap things up. I just want to mention one other thing that's happened to many tech companies or affects many tech companies in the world and big commerce is among them. Uh, you've got over a hundred employees in the Ukraine. And I know that you guys have been doing all you can to support them. And I just want to acknowledge those employees and, and let them know that, that their partner digital river is thinking of them. Um, we shared a bunch of emails internally about them. And for those who are listening, I, I'd recommend you go listen or go look at Brent Bellum's LinkedIn post about those employees and what they're going through, but just a little bit of a moment of appreciation and recognition of these people and what they're going through is, is appropriate. Thanks, Jason. Thank you very much. And they've been absolutely key to multi-store front and everything we've been talking about. Um, there's a really nice moment, um, genuinely nice, when uh, one of Adobe's senior exec reached out to Brent uh, when it all kind of started, because obviously quite a lot, a large amount of our team used to work for Magento back in the day as well. And there are more important things than competing as businesses, and this is one of them. So thank you for that support. Jim, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. Um, we are thrilled to be on the rocket ship ride that is big commerce. Um, you guys are really changing the industry, and, and we're really thrilled to be part of it. So once again, uh, Jim Herbert is a senior vice president and general manager at Big Commerce for the EMEA region. Jim, thanks again. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Commerce Connect podcast, brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.